My name is Dr. Michaela Keegan Yadley, and I've spent the last 17 years of my career in schools as a teacher and principal. I started the Dissect Ed podcast to help you by using my strengths of connecting and relating to bring amazing guests to you each week. We will cover a wide range of topics related to all aspects of and roles in education. My goal? For you to enjoy and feel successful in your role so we keep amazing teachers and leaders in schools. Thank you for all you do. Take care and enjoy. This podcast episode is brought to you by the 3D Printing Man. Get everything from custom food bowls for your pets to chore lists for your family in more than 15 vibrant colors, all custom designed. Visit his store on Etsy by searching the 3D Printing Man, all one word. Again, that's the 3D Printing Man on Etsy and get 10% off with the code DISSECTED. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today, you are going to be introduced to the identity archaeologist, Josh Zeppis. He says, this is not what I do, it's what I am. Um, And he will take us through uh, a journey of how to discover what we're really passionate about. You know, obviously for us, um, for most of us, it it is our job as educators. It's it's what we do, it's it's educating, it's making connections. Um, And then for for a lot of people right now, it's, it's hard to access that feeling of that passion. And so I thought this was a really timely episode. We actually spoke back in November, so you might hear references to the holidays um, because we had this conversation a while ago, but I was saving this episode for the right time, and I think that right time is now. Now, it's not to show you all the other things that you could be doing for a career, no. Uh, But we had an episode during season one with uh, career coach Jackie Ross, and she talked about one of the ways to find more satisfaction in our jobs is to actually create that that satisfaction intentionally. And that's stuck with me ever since. And so now as we're, you know, we're in in January and, and, you know, as educators at every level, you're going through it. um, I thought it would be a really good idea to talk about and bring up some tangible ways to access that passion, those feelings, and to also talk about, you know, if you have to have or you want to have a side hustle, uh, a, an extra job, how can you do something that's meaningful to you? What if you want to bring more more satisfaction into your job as, a, as an educator and you want to bring a little bit more of your personality into it? How can you approach your boss that way to create more satisfaction? So anyway, Josh talks us through so much of that. He has um, a real tangible way of these uh, to ask ourselves three questions um, that help us access, you know, what am I good at? What what could I monetize? Um, what what's my genius? What's my expertise? Um, and what's my passion? And he talks about how like, yeah, you might actually be talking a lot about what you do as an educator, and then you might there might be other things too that you love to do. And why not blend those in with what you do as an educator? Or why not start something else on the side or in the summers that bring you a lot of joy? So I thought this was a timely episode, and I know that you're going to enjoy it. He talks a lot, too, about just about schooling and education and, um, you know, quotes. Uh, Mark Twain, never let schooling interfere with your education, talks about how, you know, we're kind of stuck in a box right now, and that takes a little bit of the joy or a lot of it out of teaching. Um 
And so he just has a lot of gems that he drops. And I think you're really going to enjoy it. So with that, um, I will leave you to let Josh introduce himself. And let me know how you uh, what you think of the episode because it's definitely a different one. And I think you will feel secure, safe, cared about by Josh at the same time learning a lot about yourself and how to continue on that journey of um, personal development and professional development on your own terms. Enjoy. Uh, first of all, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to share with everybody. Uh, I'm Josh Zeppis, and most people know me as the identity archaeologist. And I'll tell you a little bit about me because Perfect. I think this is very relevant. So I grew up as the good soldier. I I was, I was that one that did everything they were told to do, right? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. I went to school, got the multiple degrees. I got grades. I don't know about good grades, but I got grades. <laughs> and I bought into the get a safe, secure job, Josh. Go put into your 401k and it's all going to work out. Just keep your head down, work real hard, and that's the secret to success. And so I did. For 20 years, I climbed the corporate ladder as an engineer, a very shy, negative, skeptical, introverted engineer. Uh, And then one day, everything I thought was right about that wasn't so right. I I just started realizing I wasn't as happy as I wanted to be. I wasn't as wealthy as I needed to be. And I sure wasn't free. And that, honestly, that's my favorite F word now uh, is freedom. Yeah. Uh, Yep. It was a different one, though. I won't say it (laughs) because we'll keep this PG-13. It was a different one back in corporate America. But uh, I had to get out. I started seeing it, what you see, the code in the matrix. You start seeing the glitches in the matrix. And you're like, I can't sit here in this cubicle anymore. I can't. There's something I've been missing the entire time. And so I escaped. So I'm I'm a reformed engineer now. And I got into entrepreneurship in the gym industry, the financial industry. I was doing professional sales coaching. I was doing all kinds of things. And then one day I'm like, you know what? Stop. Stop trying to make money. What are you really good at? What is your genius? What is your passion? What, what is your expertise? And can you take all this together and provide value to the world with it? And that's where Identity Archaeologist came from. And that's, that's why I'm on my mission to help talented professionals or solopreneurs, coaches, consultants, raise their ROC, raise their return on conversation and turn every first impression into a second. Help them really shine in front of other people so that people will, are willing to sit down with them give them the time of day and really uh, let them share their gift, earn new clients and build a business. So I'm very much into the entrepreneurship side, but I understand Mm -hmm. corporate uh, very well. Yeah, sounds like it. And I think, thank you so much for being on our episode today. Um, You know, I, I said to you when we talked earlier that we have a wide audience. And I think uh, one thing I refer to uh, education educators as existing in this bubble that nothing penetrates, honestly, even you, you hear it as, you know, there are people who, whose hearts at some point in their life want to bring them into teaching and they, and then they, they can't because they have to get, they have to get a degree in it and it would take them three years to ever complete and never mind how much money to complete all of the requirements to become a certified teacher. So it's very difficult to break into this, uh, this education bubble. And what, the disadvantages for a lot of our listeners is that these conversations that we have with entrepreneurs and business leaders in, in the corporate world that are so um, that, that really push the needle in our thinking and help us grow educators don't have access to because 
they have the day, you know, they have their work, which is tiring and it's exhausting and it's awesome. And then they have their professional learning or professional development set up for them largely. And that mm-hmm. fills all the other time where they'd be growing right professionally. That's what they're growing in is decided for them. By the time they're home, they don't, the, the, the energy to actually take on something new is getting harder and harder to do. So when I was a teacher, I was fortunate to be an an athletic coach. So no matter how the day went, when I stepped out of school, I hit the field and it was a a shift automatically for me. And it took me completely out of my day and into another mindset. And it was very physical and, you know, you're outside and nature working with kids in a different way. Um, But a lot of people, especially with how things have been going the past few years and now, even if fewer and fewer teachers are doing after school activities um, because they're exhausted and they're going home and not engaging in much of anything because they're just too tired. So I say that to say the value uh, in having you on this podcast today is that this might be the only place where a lot of teachers are hearing um, a conversation with somebody like you who has become an entrepreneur. And I, I really want to um, go into this a little bit further because uh, we'll talk about this in, in a little bit, but a lot of teachers are also needing a second source of income. And so we're in a whole, I mean, when I needed the second source of income as a, as a teacher, I was tutoring, right, for companies. So I was still like, sure. I was being employed by all these different, like six W-2s. That was a long time ago opportunities now are all around us. And I want to talk about that with you today, because for teachers who are out there saying there's got to be more, or uh, how am I going to make a second income? I think that you're the perfect person to talk to about this. But I wanted to know, um, there's one thing that caught my attention. I wanted to start here and then get into like being a solopreneur and in some some of your uh, advice around that. Can I make you, one just yeah, quick comment yes, on yes, something you said? Because you yep. say, you're sharing so much good stuff, so much I'm also gold. not uh, setting up, yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, yeah. it's perfectly fine. Uh, but you said something really interesting about teachers uh, just being tired and not being able to have that energy outside. Mm-hmm. Mark Twain, I think, is who said it. He said he never let schooling interfere with his education. Mm. And I see those as two very separate things. So we have people that love teaching, right? They love mm-hmm. educating but they're too busy schooling. They're too okay. busy in the system to actually do, we're, we're doing too much schooling and, okay. I, and we're not doing enough educating. And I think that's part of what brings teachers down. That's part of what brings everybody okay. down. People love sharing. People okay. love, and by the way, education is not a teacher to student thing. Everyone can teach. Everyone can learn. So it becomes a two-way street. Teachers okay. can learn from students. Students can learn from teachers. But when schooling gets in the way, when all those barriers you're talking about, about professional development and having the energy to do and you know, provide value somewhere else, that is what's sapping. That, uh, that's a bigger part of the problem, in my opinion. So I just wanted to share that. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And I think you're you phrasing it in a way that um, teachers aren't necessarily voicing it, but it's the same thing. It's, yeah. we got into this to teach. We got into this to, right. to, um, to build relationships with students and to, you know, help them along their journey to like, like 
developmentally, like this is where they're at now. We can't, we're helping them get to the next phase. Um, and you're right. All the other is getting in, is getting in the way. So in the two-way street. Right? Oh, absolutely. Street because, yep. because when, when a kid or when a kid shares something with a teacher, a, a, a student shares something with a teacher and the teacher learns something and the teacher feels appreciated and they feel valued. That's, that's a beautiful aspect as well. And that, it shouldn't just be one directional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, unidirectional. It needs to go both ways. So we got to get schooling out of the way and really start making connection with other human beings. Yeah, I and, couldn't and provide value. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's what teaching is connected is is building connections and those connections with the kids is it's really what keeps us going. I mean, I yes, yeah. you could crush a lesson and be like, yes, that was <laughs> I crushed that lesson. Um, I taught ancient world history for a couple of years. I never would have thought that would be what I would be teaching in, in the history realm and like, but I, I made it fun, but it wasn't that, yes, they remembered, you know, why, uh, the Roman empire fell. It was more, Hey, how'd they apply that to what's happening today? Oh my gosh. They were so excited about this or wow. They made a connection that I've never thought of before. And that's the, that's the most exciting thing. So you're right. The two way street. And I think that too, like that's where, that's what gives us energy and purpose and yeah. life and uh i think that we're experiencing that on a much more limited basis right now um because of several factors and so when you take that heart out of the profession uh and those connections out of the profession it, it's not the profession that most teachers stepped into no. No. and it's not their why um, true self true self-worth comes from the service to others it comes mm -hmm. from providing value to others that's where we get our own value from we don't get it in isolation that no. that's a lie that they tell you about this individualism and you can mm -hmm. just love yourself and screw everyone else that's actually mm -hmm. not true you can't do that you have to provide value to someone else and in doing so you your self-worth your identity will start to raise yeah so, absolutely yeah. um no absolutely so you know, and I think this follows from that. You um, you mentioned that you're on a mission to bring humanity back to business. <laughs> Can you? I I absolutely <laughs> love that because I mean I would say we need to bring humanity back to education. Um, yeah. And I don't mean that teachers aren't human. I mean that you know from from the highest levels, <laughs> um, we need to bring humanity back. So when you say you want to bring humanity back to business. What do you mean by that? What prompted you to embark on that? So I've been through a lot of business schooling, right? And what they teach in business is they say, Josh, business and emotions don't mix. Mm. You got to keep it professional. You've got to keep, keep those things separate. And I'm like, heck no, no. See, I don't want to blur the lines between personal and professional. I want to destroy the lines. <laughs> I don't, I don't believe there should be a difference. Uh, because one of the things they won't teach you in business school, by the way, is people buy you first, your product or service second. Mm. The first sale is always whether someone likes you. If someone doesn't like you, it doesn't even matter what you're selling. It doesn't matter what you're offering. If you're, if you're in front of a classroom and the kids don't like you, they're not going to get <laughs> that lesson. Sorry, they're, yep. they're already turned off, right? They're already yep. distracted. They're going to doodle on their things or whatever. Absolutely. So, but they don't teach you this. It's like, well, just keep these things separate. I don't believe in keeping those things separate. Uh, I, I think you've got to, in fact, here, and here's why. Professionalism. Professionalism, what is that really? Isn't that just trying to look perfect? 
isn't that trying to say the right thing and look a certain way and all of these things. And it's essentially, it's fake. It's a facade to cover up any sort of insecurities or ego we have. So we put up this facade in business and then we wonder why people don't like us because the moment we try and be too perfect and professional, people get this feeling like, wait a minute, this person's human. Human beings aren't perfect. So you can't be human and perfect at the same time. So if you're trying to be perfect, you're automatically trying to be fake. You're lying to me. And we get that gut feeling like, I don't like this person and it kills businesses. So I'm, I want to get rid of professionalism. I want to get rid of that line between personal and uh, professional. And mm-hmm. I want people to be human beings, be a freaking human being. It's okay. It's, it's, it, it doesn't reduce your value to other people. What, what, if anything, does that mean to you? Um, in like a managerial role, in a role, in a leadership role where you are um, responsible for, and it could be um, managing a a group of people, five people to a hundred people to Mm -hmm. 2000 people where outcomes, the key performance indicators or outcomes are important. Um, What does that, what does that mean to you in that, in that sense? It means it's not about you. One of, the, one of the things I didn't realize I was doing when I was in corporate America, because I did mm-hmm. become a manager, is I, I naturally apply the concept of servant leadership. It's not about you. See, K- KPIs and all these things, it's like, how is it going to look on me? How am mm-hmm. I going to look if these numbers aren't right? It's not about you. It's about your team. It's about helping. My job when I was in corporate America was to give my team everything they needed to do their job. And when they did their job and they excelled, I actually look good as a result. That's, that's the right process, mm. but leaders or managers, let's say there's a difference. Yeah. Let's say yeah, managers, yeah. They, they get caught up in the titleitis. I call it mm-hmm. they, their title, their ego. They get caught up in, um, you know, trying to be trying to uh, pass the blame, right? They're, they're just, they're trying to shield themselves. And it, it's this thing that they do that doesn't allow their people to grow. It doesn't allow their people. And then they try and look perfect, right? They try and put on this facade, like I'm the boss and people see right through it. And then people start not following that. They're not, they don't want to follow you. And by the way, if you think you're a leader, look behind you and see how many people are following. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Because, you know, that's definitely a conversation that needs to be uh, explored and pushed more um, in education. It needed to for a while, um, especially in the the districts where uh, there's the most need sometimes is where these conversations are actually needed the most. Um, and so I wanted to ask you about that. So I really want to um, now get into a question that I have for you. Um, Cause this could be really helpful to teachers. A lot of teachers either need to, or have side hustles. And like I said, side hustles now are a lot different than what side hustles were when I was teaching. Um, so if, if they're looking to be solopreneurs, what would you like? How, how would you recommend they get started? How does somebody even figure out, like, what am I good at other than being a teacher? Excellent question. Uh, let me lay some groundwork first. Okay. Everything is monetizable. So the first thing that stops us from going out and venturing into entrepreneurship is like, oh, I can't make money at that. Oh, there's no money in that. And that, by the way, we were told that growing up. Right. Oh, honey, you want to save the world? You want to do that special thing that you're so good at? 
there's no money in that. Go be a doctor, go be a lawyer, go do, you know, mm-hmm. we got to bust that. Let's get rid of everything I promise is monetizable. Those people who are old enough will remember the pet rock. Someone painted <laughs> a face on a rock and they sold millions of these little things, yes. right? So come on, everything's monetizable. So if you start with that, now the conversation of how do I start a business or what should I do in business doesn't start with what is monetizable. What makes money? I need to find something that makes money. I need to get into real estate, financial services, you know, the usual stuff, coaching, consulting, things that we mm-hmm. just naturally go to. Yep. Now we start looking at what am I good at? What do I enjoy doing? What is my genius? So that was, I would start there. What is some, what genius is your natural talent? What do you do better than anyone else? Anyone else that you know? What can what do you do so well that I can wake up three o'clock in the morning out of a deep sleep and you can just, you got it, right? No problem. In mm-hmm. fact, you're so good at it that you have to, when you tell people you do it, you have to humble yourself because it almost sounds like you're bragging, but you're just that good at it. What is that one, two or three or, or what, what is that thing? Start with that. Does it have to be tangible? Like, does it have to be, like I have a friend um, who he is able to 3D print items and he, he's able to actually come up with the concept, design it, print it. And he's grown from having a 3D printer as a hobby like five years ago to, to having 20 of them that yeah. he's running, right? And I, I used to look at, at him and be like, I can't do that. I'll never be, I'll never, I, I'm, I don't have anything that I have that I'm good. Everything I'm good at is like more of an empl- in an employee mindset versus something that I can do on my own. So what are some of the intang- like non-tangible things that, that people could be like really, really good at or better than anybody else? Well, so great question. But even like your friend, your friend sounds like he was really good at conceptualizing 3D in his mind. Yeah, that's not tangible. He's just applying it to 3D Mm -hmm. printing. He could have taken that same thing. He could have gone into architecture. He could have gone into something else. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. It could be intangible or tangible. But what you this this is the hard part. The hard part is you got to take the humility hat off. Put it aside for just a second. And believe me, I'm an introvert. I'm a severe (laughs) severe introvert from being an engineer for 20 years Mm -hmm. so it's hard to do Mm -hmm. but you got it you've got to take it off and give yourself credit and say what am i really good at let's just be honest here and ask ask friends if you need to so that's one that's one aspect Mm -hmm. your genius the other one is your expertise expertise is not your genius because you had to work for it it's those things you slaved away busted your ass put in the hours right You, you blood sweat and tears to learn So there's things you're really good at because you put the time and effort in. And then there's passion. Then there's the stuff you would do that you would, you would do without getting paid for Mm -hmm. that you do when, you know, you don't have to be good at it. You just enjoy doing it. And you start making a list of these things. I would make a list of things in each of those columns and then find where some of them intersect and find how can I provide value to the world? That's the key because that's what monetization is. Monetization, money is simply the transfer of value back to you after you supply value to someone else. Mm. Money's not this evil, weird thing, bad. You know, we, we were growing up hating money. That's another whole discussion. <laughs> right. I, used to, I used to teach, I teach all the money myths and I used to teach high schoolers actually um, all the stuff their parents don't know about money. Yeah. So that was interesting for a while. <laughs> yeah. But how do you provide value to someone else? How do you improve someone else's life with these skills? 
and then money becomes the natural transfer back. Um, so that would be the first thing is getting clarity. It's my favorite C word, getting clarity on all these things. Because without clarity, you're not going to have the confidence to go try it. You're not going to have the confidence to go out there and say, hey, I think I'm really good at this. Can I try this on you? Let me see if I can impact your life in a, in a positive way. Because if I can, then I know it's worth money. I know now I can start a business. I can start something small and I can start getting paid in return for right. the value I'm providing to the world. By the way, this is my big vision. This is what I want everybody to do. Yeah. I want a world of personal free trade. I want, I want you do you what you do best. I do what I do best. And we just share. We create so much surplus that <laughs> there's no more scarcity. And then all that stuff goes away that has scarcity tied to it, like homelessness and hunger and racism and hate and all that negative energy. So I think I answered your question. Yeah, I, there... <laughs> I, no, no, you, no, you, you absolutely did. And, you know, it might seem very elemental, but I think about, you know, even my own journey to becoming an entrepreneur, never in my life did I think that I was, uh, I just, it, it honestly, I just had this vision of it or this picture of it. And I thought that's not me. Um, not really, not realizing that that's actually really me. Um, mm -hmm. but as teachers, I think that we are so used to really used to the employee mindset because yeah. everything from, you know, pay scales, uh, and, um, I mean, for lots of reasons, we don't have, most places don't have merit based pay or, um, uh, bonuses. And that's just because it's such a, it's very political and there's not really, a, they haven't figured out an effective way to do that. Um, given all of the different, and we were dealing with humans, right? So all the different yeah. um, variables, but because of that, we're not used to like actually getting paid for something that we're able to do that's outside of a pay scale that's dependent upon, you know, how, what degree, how many degrees we have, how many credits past that degree, um, how many years we've been in the system, um, a, a, a signing bonus or hiring bonus for a hard to fill area is something that that's probably the boldest thing that, uh, that a teacher might experience maybe at some time. So, I mean, even pay for like after school activities, that's on a scale, um, for yeah. the most part. So teachers really usually are not thinking, like entrepreneurs, because we're conditioned to think like employees. So it may seem elemental that I ask the question about like, where do you even start? But it's yeah. because I think that most of them haven't even thought that entrepreneurship applies to them. Because we're in such a uh, employee, like I said, employee based yeah. uh, occupation. So that goes to another point then of where to start is personal development. Honestly, not professional mm -hmm. development. Mm -hmm. You don't need to learn how to do sit in a meeting and do a PowerPoint and all that crap. No, personal development, building your own self-worth, building your own identity. And that was a big thing for me when I left corporate America was shifting mm -hmm. my employee mindset because I had that too, mm -hmm. to my entrepreneurial mindset. And it's a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. And I've had many, and by the way, one of the things I always recommend is a coach. You need mm. someone outside of you who yeah. can see things inside of you that you can't, because you can't see the entire picture when you're in the frame. 
you need a third party. You need someone to give you a little bit of the inspiration and motivation. That's important. A little cheerlead for you a little bit. But you also need someone to tell you the truth. And that's a good coach, a good consultant will tell you the truth and they will help you grow. They will challenge you to grow. Now and that's a huge thing. Absolutely. I, I did that. And I, I already knew I had to plan to make the, the shift to um, owning my own company. And mm-hmm. I had, I had the mission statement written. I knew what I was doing. I had no clue how to get there. I had so many limiting beliefs. I didn't even know what a limiting belief was, but I learned quickly and I knew <laughs> I had a, a limiting lot. Belief. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I actually had a lot of them. Um, yeah. And so I can't believe the difference, you know, a year and a half can make when you go out, you, when you decide that you're going on a personal development journey um, and yeah. having a coach or even a series of coaches um, is helpful. Where does somebody even start if they're like, you know what? I think I want to dip my toe in the water. Where can somebody find a coach? Well, they're everywhere. Let me tell you, there's, yeah. in fact, those, a lot of those coaches are my clients because I help <laughs> okay. them stand out. I help them stand out from all the other coaches, right? Most of these right. coaches are in the sea of sameness. They all sound the same. They look the same. They smell the same, all that. Mm-hmm. So I, I help them actually become human again and stand out in their own unique way. Mm-hmm. Um, but before you get a coach, the one thing I would say is get clarity on the finish line. Make sure you know exactly. So once you have your, this is how I want to bring value to the world. Mm-hmm. Now, this is, this is what I want my business to look like. Or here's who I want to help because that's really important. Mm-hmm. Is uh, you got to interview many coaches. You, you got to go and you got to find one you get along with. Because some, most coaches have the same kind of stuff. They have the same advice and they can guide you fairly well but you've got to have a rapport with the coach and that you, you're going to have to interview. It, it's almost like a job interview, except you're the business owner now, right. you, and you've got to go find this coach who's going to work for you uh, and, and do what you need them to do. So it, it's a process. Um, Any red then, flags you know, or things to look yeah. out for that you can think of, or is it really, is it really just the process of like interviewing and getting to know them? I would say two things. I would say two red flags. One is overpromising. Mm-hmm. You're going to be a millionaire in a month. Yeah. Anyone who overpromises, forget it. That that's just baloney because they can't make that claim honestly. Right. And then the other one is, and maybe this is I'm a little biased, but anyone that doesn't have tangible deliverables. So they say you're going to feel better and look great. Like, okay, what's better? What's great? How do I know that this is working? Like. There's got to be some really solid goals and metrics. So when I work with someone, for example, there's a list of these are the things you're going to get. You get mission, value, stand, story. You're going to have your entire brand, your personal brand, ready to go in a manifesto, documented. You're going to be able to take it and run with it. It's your constitution. I believe in solid deliverables. So if a coach says, yeah, you're just going to, you're going to do great. If if that's what they're promising, just come on, work with me. Ask them for deliver. Ask them like specifically, what are we going to accomplish together? And you should so, already have an idea of what that is, but make sure the coach can uh, can sign up to it. Do not go into this thing saying I'm going to give it three months, and if it doesn't work, I'm just going to stay back at my teaching job. Okay. That's very dangerous because let me tell you something. You're going to screw up. It's not going to work as you planned. I mm-hmm. promise. You're going to pick the wrong coach the first time, and that's okay. Or maybe yep. the second time. 
commit to the results. Say, this is where I'm going. This is the finish line. I'm going to commit to the finish line. I'm not going to commit to three months or six months or 12 months. Because if you commit to a timeline, what you, this is the worst thing that can happen. And this is what usually happens. You get to the 99 yard line. You've gone all the way down the field. I'm using a football analogy. Yeah, you got yeah, all the way down yeah, the field. Yeah. You're bloodied. You're muddied. You've been tackled. You're hurt. You're barely, but you're one inch away from the touchdown. And you're like, I'm done. It's been 12 months. I'm so tired. I just no more. And you, if you had just kept going another few weeks, a person introduces you to another person and then this happens and then you get your first client and all of a sudden it, everything takes off. Don't quit on yourself too soon. Commit to the results, commit to the touchdown. Don't commit to the time clock. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can attest to that, uh, that that is exactly how it's been happening and, and been working. Um, and so that's really good advice because again, for somebody who's just starting out and has never thought this way, they may not hear that from anybody else. Right. And when they feel like right. I've completely, I'm a failure I'll, or I'll never get this. And because I, some artificial <laughs> timeline, they set, it didn't work. Um, like you said, they might give up right before that breakthrough is about to, to happen. That's right. And success feels like failure every step of the way. Just remember that you're always going to feel like you're failing on the road to success. Uh, and then from there, once you know why you exist, once you've, let's say, written your eulogy, you know, your legacy, <laughs> yep. you know, the meaning of your particular life. Like, this is what I'm dedicated to. Here's my mission. Here's where I'm going. No one's going to stop me. Hop on the train if you want, or stay at the station. I don't care, but I'm off. Like when you've got that level of clarity, confidence, and conviction in why you get out of bed from that, it's very easy, not easy. It's simple. Nothing's yeah. ever easy mm -hmm. in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. It's simple to help to, to figure out what your business should be because your business falls under the umbrella. Your business, right. once you have your personal brand, mm -hmm. that becomes your litmus test to everything else you do. Is it in alignment with my brand? Is it in alignment with what I want my life to mean? Yes, I do it. No, it's not. I don't do it. It actually simplifies a lot of your decisions in business yeah. and in personal life. So I, I always start with the brand. Mm -hmm. Then we can work on monetization a little bit later. But you got to know why you exist. You got to know what your value is. You have to have confidence in that. You got to be able to shatter from the rooftops, share it with people. Don't be shy. Be that lighthouse and just shine it out. And then from that, monetization is easy because you're bringing it, right? You're, you're, you're on, you're switched on, you're ready to go, you're committed. And that's the first thing. It's your expertise and your passion. So those Perfect. are like three aspects. By the mm -hmm. way, you can actually have a, what I call a micro brand as a W-2 employee in any company. So even as a teacher, mm -hmm. you can actually have a micro brand. You can have a, a mission statement, vision, values. And because teaching, here's, here's the challenge. When you tie your identity to, as a teacher, you say, well, I am a teacher. Mm -hmm. If you get laid off or you move on to something else, you're no longer a teacher. You lose that identity. It's almost like a borrowed identity. When we borrow these labels called teacher and principal and administrator, uh -huh. they're borrowed. Those are not your labels. You're, you're mm. kind of using them. Interesting. But the problem is when you leave, you lose it. So you become, you, you have no identity. So yep. you can actually create your own personal, your own micro brand, like a personal brand, even within that label. And it's going to change the way you look at your job. It's going to change the way you look at your career. It's going to change the way other people see you because you're going to talk with a different energy. You're going to be like, no, that, yes, I'm a teacher. That's my label, but this is what I stand for. 
This is yeah. really why I do what I do. And if you can get clarity around that, and that becomes part of your conversation, not I'm a teacher and I work in K through 12 mm-hmm. and it's all these labels, labels, labels. It's, it's, it's completely life-changing. And it's also a good seed for getting out one day for that escape route into what you truly want to do and the value you truly want to bring to the world. Yeah, It is. And if they have a good, if they have a good leader slash manager, then they already know they have a head start because that leader and manager has, has worked with them to help them identify what their, um, what it is, like what their, what their best, like what their identity is within their role as a teacher. Um, So, you know, those of you who are listening, who, you know, do have a, a, a principal or a supervisor who helps bring up, identify those strengths that you have and brings that out of you and you feel like you're known what you're known for as a teacher um then you kind of have had have a head start if you haven't had that yet like i think one thing that you said is really um really helpful the question you ask is ask other people ask your colleagues ask your family members ask friends like hey what is it that i'm like particularly strong in because sometimes we can't see it in ourselves like you said but right. if you ask other teachers, they're going to, or if you ask your students, but if you're, if you're older, but if you ask other teachers, they're going to tell you, um, and that can help you start to explore that in yourself. So, um, Josh, I really want to thank you for being on this episode today. Absolutely. Before we, before we, uh, press stop, and we stop recording, I will put this in the episode notes, but I'm wondering if you could share with our listeners where they can find you and all of this that, you know, you have to share on um, a website, on social media, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, joshzeppis.com is my website. Yeah. Most everything is on there and on social media at Josh Zeppis and mm-hmm. at the identity archeologist. So you can find me no one else has that name, by the way. Identity archaeologist means I have no competition. I love so it. <laughs> I have no competition. Yeah. And so I'm the only one that's got that. And there's a reason for it. But that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anybody wants to reach out and just have a conversation, no sales pitch, no sales whammy or any of that kind of crap. I don't do business that way anyways. Mm-hmm. But they just have a conversation. They got questions. They want a friendly ear. They want a challenge. They want to see maybe what they can do reach out. I'm happy to do that. I don't charge for stuff like that. I just want to share and provide as much value as possible. Um, thank you so much. I'm going to put that in the episode notes. Um, and, and Josh, thank you so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me share. See, I told you that Josh was going to just drop nuggets of gold throughout the entire episode. Um, I can't tell what my favorite part was. I think talking about, you know, ways that we can identify exactly what we might want to do on the side or or even as another uh, second career later on, stay in education. Um, but no, really, though, I think we get stuck in a bubble, like I say, and we don't really consider how do we want to grow personally? How do we want to grow um, even professionally? So, you know, Josh brings that to us in a real way talking about how to monetize things and, and that, you know, really anything's monetizable. So figure out what you're good at, what, what's your genius, what's your expertise, what's your passion. Um, and I, I really, what really grabbed me about Josh in the first place was when he said um, that something that was very important to him is bringing humanity back to education. And if there's anything that I have learned and heard over 
I mean, not just the past two months, but especially the past two months, it's that we need to bring it back and we're missing it. And I think right now we're in, you know, crisis mode, crisis response mode. We're just, we're, we're doing what we need to do to keep everybody safe. But on both ends of this pandemic, we have um, this need to bring, you know, the, the passion back into being teachers and, and leaders. And I think we're going to have some real soul searching to do. Um, so I thought Josh would be a great joy for you to hear, uh, especially now he's warm and caring. And uh, don't forget to visit him at Josh Zeppis and check the episode notes for all the links. All right. Until next week, take care.